Hello everyone, welcome to our online Sunday service. It's always a great joy. It's a privilege for us to come together and worship God. The most important thing that all of us can do as people, as Christians, is to glorify God, is to worship God. And as a church, we are committed um, in two things, is to honor God. It means that in everything that we do, in every relationship that we have, we want God to be honored. At the same time, we are committed in making disciples. When we talk about disciples, the goal is not just biblical knowledge. The goal is not just for people to know how to pray. But at the same time, that families, that relationships will, will be transformed by the gospel. What it means is that as we continue to grow in our relationship with God, it will bring the transformation in our relationships as well. And so we are starting a brand new series today entitled Life together and the intention and the goal is for us to understand that in every relationship um, that God has placed us in God has called us to walk alongside these people and for us really to display the message of the cross for us to be able to display the glory of God in every relationship and in these relationships that we get to not just enjoy but we get to suffer together with and for us to grow with and for us to go through battles together my prayer is that we will see the purpose and the intention of God in every relationship and as we begin uh, today pag-usapan po natin about the relationship of a husband and a wife and we all know that every marriage is important. In fact, marriage matters to God. And I would like for all of us to open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, Paul was addressing certain issues and mindsets uh, in the church in Ephesus. And what the Apostle Paul was trying to address is for them to understand that the gospel will always translate into Christ-like living. It's not enough that you do your quiet time and you know the Word of God, but but the right believing leads to right living. That our theology, our, our understanding of God, it will always produce this righteous living. And you see here in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul addresses certain um, authorities, certain people who are in authority and at the same time people who are under this authority and what it means to represent Christ in, those, in the authority that God has anointed upon them. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, Paul expertly and beautifully explains the message of the gospel. He explains and he clarifies and he brings beauty in the message of the cross, in the message of the gospel. Now in chapter 4 to 6, Paul explains that the gospel has to make a mark. It has to transform and change everything in us and about us. So when people would look at us, People will see Christ. People will not just see our good works or our intentions, but people will see Christ. That's why it's very important that as we get into the Word of God, that we would let the Word of God speak to us and transform us by the grace of God. And the good news is that the Holy Spirit also speaks to us. So open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'll be reading a couple of verses from verses 21 to 33. The Word of God says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. 
Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us today. I ask that you would anoint um, the lips of your messenger. I pray, God, may you open our hearts. Cause us, Lord, to really receive your word with such eagerness, with such excitement in our hearts. Jesus, we desire, Lord, to be transformed into your image and likeness. Holy Spirit, we pray. Do your work in our hearts. Only you can change us. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Last 2017, my wife and I had the opportunity to travel to Japan. In fact, it wasn't a vacation, but we were invited to speak in a youth conference there. And before going there, I was so excited because it would be the first time that my wife and I would be going to Japan together. And when before going there, we started to think of... Um, Think of places that we can visit. So we started to think of these different uh, tourist spots in Nagoya. And what's interesting is that there were people who were saying, Joppa, try this uh, ramen shop, try this restaurant, try this, try this, try this. And what happened was when we got there, inuna talaga namin, of course, the shopping centers and all these other tourist attractions. And when we got to this particular ramen shop, no words can explain. I mean, my wife and I, we enjoy the ramen that we get to taste and um, enjoy in the ramen shops here in Davao or in the different parts of the Philippines. But the ramen in Japan is, man, it was just different. It seems like may kakaibang ingredients sila that when you, tr when you test it, when you eat it, parang kakaiba lang talaga. I realize that for most of us, when we, when, we, when we think about relationships, especially in marriage, a lot of us, we settle in this version that is distorted and corrupt. Kind of version that the world has offered to us. But if you look at what biblical marriage is, biblical marriage is about life together. That is about the covenant that God has placed us in. It's about becoming one for the glory of God. And I want all of us to understand that for most of us who had somehow embraced this version of marriage that the world offers, it's about, about being romantic, it's just about sex and romance, it's about having these fleeting feelings, it's about being just attracted. Someone is beautiful, then someone is attractive, and you're here, you are like, I want that person in my life. Feeling, or, or, or somehow you're saying that this person would be the very person that will complete us. And for most of us, we have embraced that version of marriage. In fact, for most of us, when we think of marriage, we always 
think of movies, we think of K-dramas, we think of certain love stories, or for some of you, um, nagbabasa pa rin kayo ng packet books ngayon, and you always refer to your version of love story to these things that are man-made. But I want us to understand that just like this Japanese ramen that we've tried in Japan, it's just different. And so I appeal to you today, don't let the definition and what God has created be watered down into something that just that we just heard from others or we may have witnessed or seen in the lives of others. You see, in the Bible, it's God who authored marriage. Marriage is not created nor authored by man. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, God created everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the livestock. He created the, 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 the air. He created the sun. Everything in all creation, God created it. And the Bible mentions that everything that God created was good. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. Now, the only thing that Genesis mentioned that is not good is that it's not good for man to be alone. So if you look at Genesis chapter 2, the Bible mentions there that God created man or God created woman for the man to be in companionship with. Now, um, for most of us, when we think of, of, of marriage, it's about letting the person satisfy us or complete us. I realize that marriage is not a place where needs are being met. In fact, when you enter marriage, na insecure ka, ng dami mong hang-ups, that you have really issues with, with, with relationships, marriage is not the cure for all the issues and problems in your life. In fact, marriage will expose you Marriage will reveal the issues, the concerns that you have in your life. Alam niyo po, may expose ka talaga sa marriage. Imagine living with someone 24-7. You wake up each day. Wala kang toothbrush. Amoy na amoy ninyo yung hininga ninyo. And yet, you still choose to say, you know, I married you. And I'm going to accept you. And we're going to grow together. And it's very interesting that for most of us, when we look at marriage, we always want our, we have this dream marriage that this was going to happen, that we will have this IG perfect or Instagram perfect kind of marriage. But if you look at the story in Genesis, God said it's not good for man to be alone. So I will make, I will make, or I will give him a helper suitable for the man. So in short, God gave Adam a purpose. And for every marriage, you have to understand, you have to marry for a purpose because God has a purpose for every person. Now, when 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 we look at the story, it wasn't that Adam was lonely. It was just that he was alone. Probably God realized that it wasn't good for Adam to witness the sunsets and then titingnan yung other animals. Uy, buti pa yung mga giraffe may ka-holding neck, di ba? Or buti pa yung mga, ka mga, mga monkeys, they get to um, have this fellowship or companionship with others. And most probably, Adam tried to hold the hands of a monkey and sabi niya, medyo balbon, hindi kami fit. Or probably, um, Adam started to just really embrace an elephant while watching the sunset and he was like, no, this is not romantic. 
So God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And God gave him a helper. For most of us, when we think of the word helper, we think of nagrabi, kawawa naman yung helper, medyo degrading, no? And, and, and in our context right now, when we think of the word helper, we look at it as somehow it's inferior, it's degrading. But in reality, the one who's weak is the one who needs help. So if you look at the situation here, Adam was living out his purpose, yet he was not lonely, he was alone, he was holding God, and he was just really satisfied in his relationship with God. Now God said, I will give you a helper so for you to be able to fulfill your purpose together. So if you're married today, I want you to really think hard. What is God calling you to do together? What is your purpose as a couple? Now the word helper Yes, katulong siya in the sense that God has given you uh, someone who could uh, help you with your purpose. But the, the word helper, see, it actually means Ezer. And the word Ezer, it means uh, a powerful ally, a necessary partner or companion. And 21 times in the Old Testament, nagamit po tong word na Ezer. Three times, it refers to the wife, Eve, to Adam. Seven times, it referred to different nations that God used to, to help the nation of Israel to be delivered from the different um, pagan nations. Eleven times, God used this word to refer to himself, that he is the one who will deliver the nation of Israel. So wives, I want you to understand that, yes, you may be at home or you may be working, but God has place a special calling in your life. Now, for most of you, you might think that if you're single, you're incomplete. No. In fact, looking at the Bible, Jesus was single. The Apostle Paul was single. And they were very fulfilled to the call of God in their lives. That they were just completely devoted to what God has called them to do. Now, if you look at, if you look at the, if you, if you talk about singleness, being single is actually a status. It's not an identity. For other people, they find an issue, grabe single ako, grabe yung problema ko. Being single is a status, not an identity. You don't get your worth and your validation from your status. Hello? In fact, there is a purpose why we get through the seasons of our lives. For example, the purpose of being single is for us to be completely devoted to God. Okay, the purpose of being single is devotion. That there will be no distractions and you could just simply give your everything, give the very best version of yourself to God. That's why while you are still single, this is the best season to use your time, your energy, your resources, your relationships for the purpose and the glory of God. Do not waste your energy, your time looking for a spouse. Because at the right time, God will be the one to bring that person to you. And at the same time, the, per the purpose of being married or the goal of marriage is to display what a covenant relationship with God looks like. What it means to be in a covenant relationship marked by grace and forgiveness and mercy and the steadfast love of God. Because in our relationship with God, that's what we have received. Yes, for most of us, we always limit our mindset, our understanding of marriage with what we see around us. 
yes, we see abuses, we see dysfunctional families, we see people just tr uh, moving from one relationship to another. You see, church, if in, in the ancient Near East, basically during the early civilization, or maybe in the to, to, in the simplest term, maybe during the Old Testament times, the kings, okay, the way the kings would put a landmark on the lands that they have conquered is by putting an obelisk. Alam niyo parang obelisk? It's, it's a stone pillar being set up as a monument or a landmark. So every time that they're able to conquer a particular uh, land, they don't, right, kasi we get to put walls and fences, but what the kings would do before is that they would put up an obelisk. It's to declare that this is mine. That this land is mine. Now, in the same way, marriages are supposed to be a monument for God. The somehow when people see our marriages, people will see the hand of God. The people see, the people would see the power of God and, and the purpose of God and the presence of God at work in our marriages. You see, marriage matters. That's why we're talking about it. That's why we need to talk about it. I love this quote by Tim Keller, and he said, The marriage has the power to set the course of your life as a whole. If your marriage is strong, even if all the circumstances in your life around you are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter. You will be able to move out into the world in strength. Marriage is important, and that's why I, I ask of you, whether you're single today, whether you're still a student, or you are currently married, there is a design that God has prepared or that, that, or that God has written for every Christian marriage. We don't conform our relationships, specifically our marriage or your future marriage, to the patterns of the world. The Bible is specific and is clear about what He desires for every marriage. You see, in, um, in the early century Rome, if you, look at, um, if you look at how Rome was changed or how they, they have embraced Christianity, um, if you look at the early century Rome, they did not believe God. They were a pagan nation. They, they, they would do what pagan people would do. Um, for the men especially, they would have a wife as a trophy, but they would have different women for their sexual pleasure. And then when they would look at these Christians who were really growing in Rome, they would look at the Christians and say that, you know what, their belief is backward. Yet, they saw something very important. And according to some Christian history books, they saw how important Christian marriages were. Why? Because because Christians, Christian families, Christian marriages, they place value on women. In short, women had value. And for these Romans, they started to see that, you know what, we may be progressive in our thinking. We may be progressive as a civilization, but our lives, our relationships, our family relationships are dysfunctional. It's broken. And this is not working. And when they would look at these Christian marriages, they, they saw that women are empowered and women have value. And do you know what caused the transformation and the revival and for people to start believing in God? 
in early century Rome because they saw the monument of God, the power of God, the presence of God at work in the, in the marriages of the Christians. You see, for most of us, we, we limit or somehow we are affected by what we see around us. Uh, I remember uh, I wasn't a pastor when I, I wasn't a pastor back then, I, but I started to host weddings and I, I was also a wedding photographer. And every time that I would shoot weddings and then somehow you get to roam around, the guests, they would always talk about guests natin kung hanggang ilang taon lang to sila magsasama. And people would start to, in a way, bet about how many years lang magsasama itong mga nag, nagpapakasal. Isn't it a sad picture of the world that we live in? The somehow people are kind of cynical when it comes to marriage. And that somehow people have lowered their expectations when it comes to people being united in holy matrimony. Church, I want to exhort you today. Do not limit the beauty of marriage based on your personal experiences or from the experiences of others. Do not let, do not let the abuses, stories, and experiences you've seen, heard, or witnessed rob you of experiencing the glory of having a godly marriage. There may have been abusive marriages and some have been products of dysfunctional families, but just like many ramen shops that we've tried here in Davao in the Philippines, it's not the real thing. It's not Japanese ramen. It's not like those that we've tried in Japan. It's different. That's why the Apostle Paul was strongly urging every Christian husband, every Christian family, every Christian that the gospel has to bring the transformation in our lives. That there has to be that fruit. And one, of the, uh, and one of those people, the first people who should see and who should benefit this gospel transformation, this heart transformation that's uh, caused by the gospel are our relationships, our spouses, our children, and even the people who works for us or the people that we work with. Now again, in chapter 5, it specifically points out the relationship of the husband and the wife and it explains the beauty of biblical marriage and how marriage can actually work. In verse 31, the Bible says here, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And love how Paul, the Apostle Paul, would use words that really talks about if you are a Christian and you are married or you are part of the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul used the word that you are knitted with one another. In short, your buhay mo is knitted with the people in church. In short, you are not designed to be isolated from the church. You are needed with someone else's life. Now, at the same time, in marriage, a husband is supposed to be to hold fast. You're being stable. You're stuck together. Not just for like the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 years, but for a lifetime. Scripture tells us that the two, okay, two become one. 
that the husband and wife are now one. And this is a lifetime journey of being stuck together in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, for better and for worse, till death do you part. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is like telling the other person, you know what, I've seen the worst of you, and there are things that I don't like, but I'm staying. Because it is based in a covenant relationship. And you see, being one, is, it's a whole number. It's not meant to be separated nor divided. And by the grace of God, my prayer is that for every married couple, that you will continue to grow in the journey of becoming one. The husband is to hold fast to his wife. In short, the husband has to leave his man cave. Okay, anything that you're trying to build and trying to say that, you know what, this is my territory. No, 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 no more of that. The husband has to leave his man cave. And together with his wife, they are to create a very beautiful home. You see, marriage is a lifetime journey of being one for the glory of one. It's not just, marriage is not a one-day thing that takes place in the wedding. It's a lifetime journey of being one. You see, you're already one the moment you, you, you make that commitment. You say your I do's and you say that, you know what, I'm going to love you and we're going to spend the rest of our life together. You're already one. But you see, because both persons um, comes from two different family backgrounds and personalities and experiences, there will always be tensions. There will always be differences. But we should not let those, those differences divide us. We will continue to journey together of being one for the glory of God, for the glory of one. Everything we do in our marriage is for the glory of God. In fact, your marriage, your relationships, it is your worship to God. And so let, me, let us paint a picture today of what biblical marriage is. And biblical marriage is centered on Christ. I love this because for so many people, they would put different things as the center of their marriage. But what does it really mean to really center your marriage on Christ? If you look at certain verses in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 21, um, Paul says there, submit yourselves to one another out of your reverence to Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, has a wife submit to your uh, husbands as to the Lord. And at the same time, Paulit-ulit dito sinabi that, you know what, husband, love your, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You see, the center, the core of everything we do in our marriage is Jesus. For a Christian, you don't put your, your, your marriage, your spouse, your kids as the center of your marriage. You don't put your career as the center of your marriage. Christ has to be in the center of everything we do. Even marriage itself should not be the idol or the center of our marriage. Christ has to be the center. The reference point of how we regard and treat all, all our relationships is Jesus. A God-honoring marriage is centered on Jesus. In fact, wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives won't be a problem when both are submitted to Christ. For so many people, when they look at um, this command in Ephesians chapter 5, wives submit to your husbands, a lot of people are reacting, grabe naman, napaka-backward nito. Mm -hmm. But it won't actually be an issue when both the husband and the wife 
are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before we talk about wives submitting to the husbands, let's talk about what the Bible did not say or what the Bible did not talk about. And the Bible is clear that the Bible did not talk about the wife or the woman as of lesser value. In fact, women are equal in value and worth to men since both are created in the image of God. But based on God's design, men and women assume different roles in the marriage relationship. In fact, God has assigned and given the authority to lead, not lord over to the husband. Magkaiba pa yung leading and lording over. So God created this structure in the homes where he has placed the authority to the husband. And whoever has the authority does not mean that he has the power. It simply means that he has more weight to carry and he has more responsibility to do. And God has given this anointing, this responsibility, this assignment to the husband to lead, not to lord over to the wife. Now, so many of us despise the thought of someone having authority over us. In fact, many of us don't do well when it comes to authority. If you look at our government right now, not everyone really, I mean, people would have different reactions when we, talk, think, uh, when we talk about the government. But for most of us who are a citizen of the Philippines, people can just easily complain and not have any accountability or responsibility. But just like talking about the government, just like in any government, it can only function when there are people leading it. Structure is important. Because it will create boundaries. It will, put, it will give us accountability of who's leading and who's not. Now, the wife is instructed to submit. But this submission is not blind submission. Hindi po ibig sabihin nito that God is, is asking you, kahit anong pinanggagawa ng husband mo, hayaan mo na lang. If your husband is just flirting with someone else, if your husband is being lazy, hayaan mo lang. No, 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 no. This is not blind submission. If your husband is leading you to compromise, that is not the plan and the purpose of God for your marriage. But when you talk about the word submit here, it means for every wife, okay, for every wife to submit to your own husband, you don't have to submit to every man. You are only called to submit to your husband. And the word submit here simply means that you have to respect, recognize, and affirm the leadership of your husband. Let me repeat that. To submit your husband simply means to recognize, to respect, and to affirm the leadership of your husband. You see, there are so many things in marriage that you can really disagree about. Even with my wife, there are so many things that we disagree Yet, one of the things that I really appreciate with my wife is that she would always think of ways that uh, she wouldn't be nagging me, but she would present her, uh, her opinions and her thoughts in a very loving and respectable manner. I remember one time we were having, uh, we had our date day in one of the coffee shops here in the city. And in that coffee shop, pagpasok namin uh, sa isang table, may dalawang church member tayo doon. And we're like, hi, hello, you're here. It's good to see you. And the only table na available was this particular table na katabi ng table ng, uh, ng church member natin, uh, natin, our church. And so we were, we started, uh, we ordered coffee, and then we started talking. And then the conversation just, just 
grew from, I mean, it moved from first gear to fourth gear past. I mean, we started to talk about uh, issues in our marriage and how we could just really clarify. Is there anything that we need to clarify? How can we be better in our communication? How we, how can we be better in our marriage? It was pretty much a safe zone. And we were talking um, uh, passionately. Hindi kami nag okay? We were just talking passionately. <laughs> we were talking in such a manner just like two grown adults would. It wasn't personal. Yes, it was personal, but it was not attacking to one another. The intention really is for each other to grow in Christ-likeness. You see, I really appreciated my wife. I, I even thanked her that time. And I told her, you know what, my love, I appreciate you that despite of you bringing up concerns and issues about me, about my leadership, but thank you because you've done it in a very respect, respectable, in a very honoring and loving manner. And I want to honor you for that. Uh, for that. You see, there's so many many marriages where the husband would, alam mo yung nagtampo because in address ng wife, <laughs> and the husband would consider the wife nagging him, and so what would happen is that the husband would withdraw the emotions, the intimacy, and so what would happen is that the ging cycle na siya. The wife said something harsh to the husband. The husband was hurt and offended. So we need drawing yung emotional uh, intimacy, the sexual intimacy. And so ngayon, the husband became cold and the wife starts to disrespect the husband and so on and so forth. And until they would just say, because this is not working out. I want to ask this question because Truthfully speaking, there are so many times that the wife must uh, magaling and 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 just better in so many ways compared to the husband. But probably the question I want to ask is: despite of maybe some some decision making is that your husband can be wrong, wives, how can you respectfully and honorably and lovingly present your opinions, your thoughts, your ideas? your preferences to your husband instead of just really putting down, degrading, and disrespecting your husband. You see, wives, submission to your husband is submitting to the Lord, is, is worship to the Lord. And I want you to recognize today and start to re-evaluate, have, have you been respecting your husband? Have you been affirming the leadership of your husband? The same way for the singles who are watching today, I want you, especially for the single women, I want you to consider these two questions before you consider someone, um, someone who's pursuing you or someone who wants to pursue you. Let's ask this question, can this man lead me? The second question is, can I submit to the leadership of this man? Because if you can't, then it's not a... Entering a romantic relationship out because of loneliness is a bad reason to get married, okay? Do not marry someone because you're lonely. Loneliness is a bad excuse to enter a romantic relationship. At the same, at the same time, if you're a single man, always start to think, can I lead someone? Because if you can't lead yourself, then you have no business of leading someone else. Now, we talk about the wives in the same way husbands Here's what the Bible is telling you. 
Husbands, you are to love your wives. Love your wives. Not simply give them gifts, not simply providing for her needs, not simply uh, giving her a very comfortable life. What God wants for you is to love your wife. Now, your love for her isn't simply expressed through gifts, travels, or expensive stuff. Because what's important, okay? I mean, those are important in, in every marriage, but the instruction, your most important call as a husband is to love your wives, is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the word love here is not the storge kind of love. Storge means familial love or yung, yung fa, yung the family love. It's not the filial love or brotherly love or eros love, which is romantic love. The word that the Apostle Paul used here is agape love. In short, unconditional love. We are to love as how Jesus loved us, which is sacrificial and selfless. And Christ loved the church. Now, the church here, it means ecclesia or the called out ones. People have been redeemed. Yet, before we were redeemed, we were despised. We were enemies of God. We were rebellious and we are broken. We were messed up. And the good news is that when we were messed up, despite of how broken and sinful we are, Jesus took the initiative to sacrifice himself for our sake. The standard in which God demands, that God requires for every husband, is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. The way that Christ loved the church, it is self-initiated. It is self-sacrificial. It was very selfless. Yet, for many of us, we enter marriage bringing our demands, bringing our hang-ups, bringing our hurtful experiences into the marriage. And the thing is, God wants you to know that God can heal and restore whatever is broken in your life so that it would be possible for you to be able to love your wife as Christ loved the church, broken and messed up people like us. So the question is, what does it mean for the husband to love your wife? Two words is to initiate. You need to have initiative and for you to sacrifice, making sacrifices. You see, there are cultural norms that's very present right now in the world that we live in. There are, there are somehow, somehow a unhealthy normals or bad patterns, bad habits that you can see in every marriage or in every family. How many times have we seen and heard of stories of men being passive in their marriages, in their families. I've heard of so many stories wherein they act like superstars or MVPs in their workplaces, in their career, in their jobs. Yet, pagdating ng bahay, they are like bench players. They act like they are just lazy, they have nothing to do, they are, they are detached in their relationships. Men, let me charge you today. You are needed in your homes. Don't, do not just cheer when your favorite sports team would win. Cheer for your spouse. Cheer for your wife. Cheer for your children. Make your presence felt. Because for so many men right now, they would think that, you know what, I'm, as long as I'm successful in providing for the family, there's food in the table, then probably I am successful as a husband. But no. You have to understand that loving your, your wife is not just about providing for them, but it's really nurturing the relationship. It's really um, leading your spouse, leading your wife, leading your children towards the purposes of God. 
to the point that even your children won't just finish a degree or just have uh, a have or have a, a secured bank account. Your success as a husband, your success as a father, is when your 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 spouse and your children would recognize and live out the purpose of God for their lives. You see, there was a study, there was a uh, a survey. Itinanong yung mga, mga women. And these women were asked, what do you want in a man? Do you want a man who is cute? Or gusto niyo may initiative? And amazingly, all of them answered, they want both. <laughs> but if they are to choose between the two, they want a man with initiative. They want someone who can just take charge and do things and just really lead with initiative in the relationship. Now, for so many times in relationships right now, men are too passive. And it's evident even kapag nag-uusap yung mag-asawa or even sa mga magkaibigan pa lang, and they would always ask, the women would ask, saan tayo kakain? And men would always say, ikaw, saan mo gusto? Now, we always understand that people would say na that's being a gentleman, but it's not. Because men are called to take charge. And husbands, men, let me charge you today. Take initiative. Initiate conversations. Initiate vacation. Initiate travel with your spouse. Initiate uh, praying together. Initiate spiritual leadership. Fathers, to your children, don't just, uh, let, don't just wait for a campus missionary or a pastor or someone else to, to, to provide spiritual leadership to your children. You are the spiritual leader in your home. And I want to charge you, take initiative. Whatever it is, start planning. Even if you're not a planner, just take initiative. Can you just imagine if, um, ladies, well, imagine your husband would come from home and then pag-uwi ng bahay, he's, he gave his 100% in the office and then when he comes home, he would just simply sit down on the couch, look at his phone, start to just scan through the phone and he's there but he's not really there or maybe for some the moment they get into the uh, into the house he would probably kiss you in the forehead or he would kiss you in the cheek get the remote control sit down and start just watching television and maybe for some wife she would say okay lang yan ko na lang kasi pagod siya importante he's providing for us many have embraced and accepted that kind of normal. But I've seen husbands who, despite of being busy in their jobs, in their career, but when they get home, they would still engage in a conversation with their wives, with their children, and they would ask, how are you? What's the highlight of your day? Yes, they were tired, but they understood that their most important leadership is needed at home. If you're, a, if you're a wife and you're okay with just the husband just being there but not really there, then probably you need to talk about it. Regroup and start talking about how can we build a godly marriage. But at the same time, I hope that husband should start to just start thinking about and planning and strategizing for your marriage because the best legacy that you can give to your children is not a successful uh, career but a successful marriage. That's the best legacy that you can pass on to your children. If you can strategize in your career, in your offices, why don't you strategize 
for your marriage. Husbands, I encourage you. I mean, just when you get home, just start telling your wife, hey, I have planned something for our for our upcoming anniversary. You know what? I prepared two things. Probably, kung gusto mo yung mas chill lang, pwede tayo mag-glamping. I've, I've seen this place and it's cool there and it's really, really nice. Or another option, if you like the beach, this is the place. And you know what? This is available and I think you're going to love this. Now, I want to ask, ano yung mood mo? Ladies, would you like that kind of a man? And that is what God is asking for every man to take initiative. To the husbands and fathers who are more present in their jobs, than in their families, you are not just a provider. You are first and foremost a spiritual leader. Husbands, it is your responsibility to be a student of your wife of what makes her fully alive in God. Because I've heard of certain wives that somehow say, when I was single, I used to be very passionate for God. But when I got married, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Husbands, Yes, there are seasons that you have to focus on your children and your family, but husbands, you have to take the leadership and take initiative and be a student of what makes your wife fully alive in God. You have to ask the question, how did God build my wife? How did God design my wife? And how can she flourish under God? So men take initiative. Not only that, men, husbands specifically, let us make sacrifices. There are things that seem important to a man, but nothing is more important than their leadership at home. I asked one husband one time what sacrifice looked like in their marriage. And he said, he answered me, it's quitting playing mobile games. And I asked him why. Because he said, I realized, bro, that playing games was prioritizing myself over my wife and it's not uh, it's actually affecting our intimacy we don't get to converse we don't get to talk uh, my wife is very gracious and she allows me to just really play but i realize that it's not also helping it's not growing our marriage relationship in fact we don't get to do devotions together you see there are so many things that we can sacrifice that we need to sacrifice in order for our love in order for the intimacy to grow in every relationship. I remember uh, during our honeymoon ni Oni, uh, when we were in, we were, ha- we were having our breakfast. After we prayed, there were, there were these two um, old couple who approached us and they asked us, excuse me, are you Christians? Because we saw you pray and then we told them, oh yeah, we are Christians. And then they were so overjoyed and they started to talk to us. And then we asked them, can we ask you a question? How long have you been married? And they answered, we've been married for 54 years. And we were amazed. We're like, wow, 54 years. And you see, for someone to get to be married for 54 years, honestly, that really is a testament of the grace and the goodness of God in their marriage. And so we asked them two questions. namin sila, what are your top two important marriage lessons that you've experienced? And then the wife answered, first thing is you really have to communicate. Fight for your communication. You have to fall in love with communicating with another. Because yung tsura natin, sabi na, of course, uh, hindi mas la Filipino, they're, Aust- they're an Australian couple. They said that mag natin, 
but our our dedication to communicate with one another, our enjoyment to communicate with one another, it's our responsibility. And I realize that we have to take responsibility of, of, of the opportunities of us communicating with one another. And I want all of us to understand that if there's anything that hinders us in communicating with one another, we have to make that sacrifice. We have to really go back to the drawing board and some probably eliminate certain hindrances and distractions in terms of our communication with our, in our marriage. So going back to the story kanina, it was the wife who answered first. Wife, uh, sabi niya, uh, you have to really fight for your communication. And then the husband, you know what he did? He looked at me. He held my hand and he told me, you know what? Everything that takes place Everything that happens in the marriage falls on your leadership. Imagine mo, kakakasalang namin, animo namin, and then I felt the weight just being so heavy upon me. I realized that for a marriage to work, husbands, we have to make sacrifices. There are desires, there are dreams that probably have to let go or set aside in order for the husband and wife to both win in marriage. At the end of the day, we are all called to submit to the Lord and we are called to love how Christ loved us. But the thing is, we cannot do it in our own capacity. You see, no amount of human achievement, travel vacation, and gifts can ever satisfy and complete the human heart. No gifts, no anniversary, Travel can ever complete your spouse. We are never created to complete someone else. Our hearts can only love others genuinely when we've experienced the source of genuine, everlasting love. And it is available for every single one of us. The love of Jesus is available for all of us. The reason why we can have this better version of a marriage or for us to live in harmony and unity and at peace and love with others is because first and foremost, we have experienced the love and the grace and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You see, God has poured out His very best, the best version that one person um, can ever experience in life. The Word of God says that in Christ, we have been redeemed and we have received forgiveness and we have continually experienced the grace of God in our lives. And because of that, all of these things, the instruction to love our wives and to submit our husbands and for us to submit ourselves to the Lord, it is now possible because Christ has already paid it all on the cross. In short, our redemption brings reconciliation. Reconciliation first with God and then to the relationships around us, to our spouse, to our husbands, to our wives, to our children, to the people that we work with. Our redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ brings reconciliation. It brings relational transformation. It will continually affect and impact and just change our behavior towards certain people. And the only way to do that is when we have experienced the power of the cross in our lives. 
Because of the cross, we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. We have been transformed. And my prayer is that it will be evident in the relationships, in your relationships. You see, for a better marriage to take place, you need to become a better person. But for us to have a godly marriage, we have to experience the grace of God. A better marriage is a result of becoming a better person, but a godly marriage is a result of experiencing and being transformed by the grace of God. I want to ask you this question today. Are there relationships in your lives right now that has to see the cross of Jesus in your life? Whether it's with your family members, in your, with your church mates, with your victory group uh, members, to the people around you, even to your neighbors. Are there relationships in your lives right now that has to see the cross of Jesus in your life? Second question is this. Does your spouse, your husband, your wife, do they see Christ in your life? And the question I want to ask is that who is in the center of your marriage? Is it your kids? Is it your spouse? Is it your career? It could be something else. Because if Christ is not in the center, then someone else will direct and determine the direction of your marriage. But if Christ is in the center, you can be certain that there will be grace, there will be forgiveness, and transformation will continually take place in your marriage. My prayer is that you won't let anything come in the center of your marriage. Not your needs, not your comfort, not your preferences, not your wants, but Christ. You see, the only thing that can sustain our relationships is the grace of God. The unfailing love of Jesus sustains all our relationships. And my prayer is that you would experience His grace, His mercy, His goodness in your life today. Let us pray today. Lord, thank you. Because you've designed marriage and you've authored marriage, not, Lord, for the benefit of men, but for your glory. So, Lord, remind us that the only thing in this world that, that can truly satisfy, that can ever complete us, is not another relationship, but only our relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that even today that we would see you for who you really are, as the Lord, as our Savior, as the one, Lord, who gave his all for us. So, at the same time, Lord, we can just... Uh, showcase and display your glory and your love to others. Lord, I pray, God, for every marriage right now. Lord, that they would just really understand that the only way for marriage to grow and for marriage to last is when you are the one who's in the center and you're the one, Lord, who is the source um, of, of all things and you're the one who sustains our marriages. I pray, Lord, for those marriages that, that's kind of like medium messed up right now and some are thinking, Lord, I want to give up. Lord, I am tired of this relationship. Jesus, I pray that, that may they experience, Lord, that unfailing love, that steadfast love. Lord, that grace that we, we don't deserve. And Lord, as we experience your grace, may we be able to display and, and demonstrate and express this grace, Lord, to the people around us specifically, Lord, to our spouse. Lord, teach us, Lord, even to, to be humble. I love what, uh, even, Lord, as, as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, be patient, be humble, be gentle, bear with one another in love. 
Lord, that's only possible because you have been patient with us. Lord, you gave yourself for us. Lord, you 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 bore, Father God, Lord, the, the pain, the, the, the penalty, um, the punishment on the cross so that we may live. In the same way, I pray God for every family relationship, for every marriage today, may you be the one to sustain it. I speak love to grow. And Lord, I even pray, Lord, for those children who have been affected by by the relationship of their parents, I pray, Lord, that they would look up to you, that they would just see that a restored relationship is possible in you. I pray, Lord, that they will not lose hope, that they will not give up on hope. And I pray, Lord, that for these children, Lord, to hold on to you because you're the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray, Lord, bless every family today, bless every marriage today. I pray, Lord, for those listening today, Lord, that they would see the beauty of the cross, that they would see the beauty of the gospel in their lives today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to pray. I want to declare a prayer of blessings to everyone today. Can you just lift up your hands to the Lord? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, I speak joy faith, love, and peace to fill every heart right now. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us, church. We're grateful that you get to worship with us. Have a great Sunday. If you need prayers, to send us a message. God bless you.